What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Christy Francesco. With me this week, we have the George Rogers, as always. What's going on, brother? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good. And I'm good. Dean, fresh off of his little one-week sabbatical. Uh, Dean, how you feeling, man? You asshole. I said you're on a sabbatical for a week. <laughs> well, George is back from the dead, so. Yeah, George is alive. So um, I, I took last week off because I was grieving George's death. Little did I know he was going to come back. <laughs> uh, it's all a gimmick, pal. That's so funny. Yes. Yep. It's, uh, it's don't work for me, brother. It does. It just doesn't work for me. This death doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> my, my death lasted longer than Vince McMahon's. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well... You know, long-term storytelling. That's right. Long-term, yeah, long-term. long-term storytelling ended Vince McMahon's death. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, longest-term storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all right, so tonight... Oh, that's too much? You can no. make Owen Hart jokes, but I can't make Chris Benoit jokes? Oh, no, I thought that was great. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, can keep, you can keep him coming. Um, right, he just so good. happens to, to uh, face off against him. his alleged killer tonight, so we get mm-hmm. to talk about that. Um, all right. Uh, so other than that, um, well, uh, George, I'll ask you backlash WWE backlash is this Sunday. Uh, are you excited for it at all? Any, I mean, it's basically like watching WrestleMania again, almost, but, uh, are you looking forward to anything specifically? Uh, I think Cody and Seth will have another banger. Yep. Same thing with, uh, edge and AJ and the tag team title match is no longer a tag team title match is now a six man tag match. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fine because um, all six of those guys are hell of a workers and if yeah. anything you just boosted your body you, you, you just boosted your the amount of plays you'll get because, ah. now, you have, because now you have Roman on the show yeah. but whatever oh. I mean you the tag titles at SummerSlam I don't care whatever so I just I don't understand just like the, the disrespect towards the titles that WWE has for the company and I just WWE, I think I said WCW, I'm sorry. Uh, but that's what they're becoming, you know, because I'll tell you what, you know who doesn't disrespect their titles? Oh, boy. AEW, M- where the big, big boys play. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this, it, uh, I counted this on this page. So did George. <laughs> how, many, how many times did you get? Did you count how many times Shivani said big boys play on this pay-per-view? It wasn't sure. I, I don't it, between Shivani and Dusty, it had to be at least two times per match. So I counted. Shivani said it 21 times. Dusty said it 13. Oh. So <laughs> it's it, the big boys play, baby. It's just like literally. And like, by the way, I'll also talk about this with this pay per view, although it was a great pay per view. I guess their formula, uh, I, I really thought it was a really good pay per view. I guess I, it was it, it was a B, I thought it was a solid pay per view. Mm-hmm. I put great up there with like WrestleMania 17. So oh, I'm like, talking about like in terms yeah. of WCW, this was a great pay per view. Oh, it's like you never yeah. saw greed or sin <laughs> or, <laughs> or so, any holdouts. <laughs> um, or Starcade 97. So it, it was just, I guess, a formula for this pay per view was match. Promo, match, Ooh. promo, match, promo. It's like, oh, dear God. Like, me and Gene Erklund got his money's worth, like, that entire evening. Um, yeah, oh, but, but we're going to talk Regal, about that. By, his, by making fun of Regal's sexuality. No, we're going to yeah. talk can we, about that. Can man. we talk about how Kevin Sullivan read off a cue card, how he was going to kill Benoit and his wife 20 years later? I mean, 
Dear Lord. <laughs> oh. We'll talk about that, all of it. Uh, George, uh, real quick. People, General's reaction to this, George's, George and Chris's purest reactions to what I just said made That's that great. all worthwhile. It's hey, great. your subscriber count going down is going to be great. That's <laughs> great. Um, Let's be honest. <laughs> actually, every week, it goes, every week it goes yeah. up, so I can't really complain. See, they like um, that hard nose humor. See, we're like the did. Attitude Hour wrestling podcast. That's right. That's are. right. Um, Who's fucking a dummy in a casket, George? <laughs> um, I'll ask you, I want to ask <laughs> you, George, one last question before um, we get started here. I want to ask you about Backlash. Do you think it hurts Seth Rollins' credibility at all as a heel if he loses clean again? No. No? Seth is Seth is is is, is Teflon to put this. I mean, this dude could lose five pay-per-views in a row. It ain't going to hurt him at all. Okay. All right. Because um, unlike unlike like someone like Bray Wyatt who was coming out and and you know, and doing all these great promos, but then losing the pay-per-view matches. Seth isn't coming out. I mean, Seth, Seth makes everything work for him. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Each way he does it. You know, him showing up is, isn't dependent on whether or not he wins or loses. I mean, the dude's, he, he's, he's a multiple-time champion at this point. You know, he, he doesn't need the wins. Okay. I understand. I'd like to answer that question. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I don't think losing clean to one of the biggest, I, I would say one of the biggest baby faces in the business doesn't hurt him at all. I think it's his terrible gimmick that hurts him. Um, yeah. Although it's starting to get a lot of praise out of nowhere. Uh, apparently his, pro, I guess his promo work is helping him out. Well, um, he's, he's a great promo guy. It's just the way I think he, uh, the way he, like he uh, acts and dresses. I, I just want, I want architect Seth back so bad. Me too. He was just um, so good. It was such a good character. It really was. It was an original. It was a great character. Um, all right, so let's get to why we are here. We are continuing our basically multiple months worth of coverage of WCW. I think this is going to go on for a while because I am loving uh, WCW product right now. Uh, we are covering uh, the Great American Bash from 1996. Uh, to give you guys a couple statistics here. So just a reminder, the importance of this pay-per-view. We are one month away from the whole entire landscape. The professional wrestling world changes forever a month from this pay-per-view. And this is basically the final real setup for uh, Bash at the Beach 1996. This is, of course, is the Great American Bash. Um, So certain things in this pay-per-view occurred to really help us get to uh, where we were going to be just one month later, um, less than a month later, actually about three and a half weeks. Uh, so this uh, occurred on June 16, 1996 from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, 120,000 pay-per-view buys. Uh, they had 9,000 people here uh, paid a live gate of 123,406, which is one of the higher gates of the entire year um, actually did much better than um from a gate perspective, it did better than Bash at the Beach a month later, but um, not in terms of pay-per-view buys. But nonetheless, uh, still a very good uh, outing for WCW, that is. Um, 
So like this, this pay-per-view comes like right after Slamboree. You know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash made their WCW debuts. Uh, as we know, they were Razor and Diesel jumping from the WWF, uh, which was such a huge deal at the time. Um, Hall showed up eight days after Slamboree and Nash followed soon after. Uh, they took over the program and ran roughshod all over WCW, which we all know we've seen the world famous packages and the promo from Scott Hall. Um, they are building to that big match at the bash of the beach. Um, but the two have been appearing every week leading up to this event as well. Um, and the wrestling observer, which he is a human scum poison. Dave Meltzer, um, did call this show one of the best WCW shows that they ever produced, um, which obviously, I mean, I, I agree, but that doesn't say much for a WCW event. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. It doesn't say much because a lot after uh, Bash of the Beach, there was a lot of really bad pay-per-views. Yeah. That like, and they, they really didn't pay off um, a lot of, what they were setting up. I like how Bischoff always admits that too. Like yeah. they how they just they kind of just fucked up every major finish that they were planning to do. Yeah. So. And um George, you said it on last week's show, was it 97 or 90? I guess 97, how the the world heavyweight title was only defended like four times, right? And yeah, in nineteen ninety seven the world heavyweight title was only defended four times on pay-per-view. Oh man. And that's a paper in that in that company, of course. I guess at that time, Bischoff even talks about it. Their bread and butter, all they cared about was Monday Nitro. So I would like to see how many times it was defended on Monday Nitro, uh, as compared. I'm sure to- it was more than four. Oh yeah, I, I agree. I know um, at least one because that's when Lex won it from Hogan was on episode Nitro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. So the show opens with Bobby Heenan going back uh, to ringside and being the manager. Uh, for the team of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson as they take on Steve Mongo McMichael and Kevin Green, who's being accompanied by the macho man Randy Savage. Uh, we also hear from the teams themselves, as well as Lex Luger and the Giant, who will be going one-on-one for the WCW World Heavyweight title. Boy. Um, Tony Schiavone and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, are on the call for tonight. Uh, hey, they- they go down the entranceway where a serviceman is holding the American flag and the uh, American uh, national anthem is played. Uh, Tony and Dusty put over the double main event for tonight before going down to the ring for the first match. And we get to the very first match of the night. Um, the Steiner brothers versus fire and ice Scott flash Norton and ice train. Um, the winners were uh, the Steiner brothers. And I texted you guys this. I did tell you, and I, I still think it was. I said this is a really good opener. And the reason why I say that is these teams legitimately, these four dudes beat the piss out of each other. Um, and it was it was stiff, um, like Dean watching the Snyderverse. Like, absolutely just a stiff-ass match, man. Um, right now. It, I bet you yeah, wouldn't doubt it for a second. Um, throbbing, man. Throbbing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, to me, it was a fun, above-average tag match. Both of these teams brought all the power, and they hit each other with everything they had. A um, couple really hard-to-watch, you know, uh, German suplexes and belly-to-belly suplexes. Um, the clotheslines were stiff as shit, man. Um, 
these teams would also face each other multiple times in the coming months. And it was one of the better, you know, tag team rivalries in WCW. Uh, I thought Scott Steiner, like he was in 97, uh, was in an absolute peak form here from an athletical, from an athletic standpoint, his size was just cartoonish, but nonetheless, he was still athletic as heck. Um, and Rick Steiner was just always spectacular. Um, I thought Norton and Ice Train worked well together. I can't believe I'm even saying that, but they did. They were they Scott were, Norton was a man of a man amongst boys. Scott Norton is to me was always an underrated big man. I, I and he showed it in this match that he worked well. Um, what did uh What did you think of this match, George? I thought it was a solid tag match. Um, Not what you told me. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Solid average. <laughs> very, very, I mean, like, because you're like, oh, this match is great. And then D and I both looked at each other like, great? Like, okay. Um, obviously, to each their own. Um, nah, Chris Scott, is wrong. Scott's, uh, Scott's <laughs> hair was just frizzy as fuck. Yeah, it was. Like, it, I mean, like, it's one thing for him to have the mullet, but, but goddamn, that shit was. It, 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 he was looking like uh, he was he was looking like Dee Pickles from Rugrats. That shit was frizzy. <laughs> and, um, and, that, and that Frankensteiner at the end, which essentially turned to <laughs> not Norton power bomb that he just rolled over into a pinning combination. Yeah, it, that was didn't look good. Yeah, that's not a move that you want to perform on Scott Norton. That's not really his bag. Is to take <laughs> high power, uh, you know, high not, energy moves. It's not his bag, baby. It's not. Um, uh, George, what did you, uh, George, I'm sorry, Dean, what did you think of the match? Uh, I, I did enjoy it for what it was. I mean, two, the four beefy guys just, you know, this is Vince McMahon's wet dream, essentially. Really? Just, it is. You know, yeah. you know, four beefy men pounding each other. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I like anything with the Steiner brothers and they're one of my all time favorite tag teams. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I always do. I, on the other hand, I prefer mullet, frizzy hair Scott Steiner uh, to. I prefer that to his short hair look. Mm-hmm. I I agree with you. Uh, that's why I said this was my favorite Scott Steiner. And I I will say this, and I'm a man of my word, and I I have no problem ever coming here and admitting I was wrong. Watching a lot of these old WCW pay per views and NWA, I've grown to have like a new respect for the Steiner brothers and how good they were. Not only, not only about a year and a half ago, you and I had a massive disagreement on the Steiner brothers when we were talking about tag teams. Yeah. And like, not just how good they were, how over they were. I mean, I'm talking and I'm not, I don't think I'm overstating this. They were Legion of Doom type over for a while. Uh, I really think that, Um, but they were spectacular. My God, they were, they're fun to watch. Um, I actually wish they never would have broke up. I, I wish we never mm-hmm. got Big Papa Pump. I wish we would have just gotten the Steiner brothers all the way through. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I'm only, I don't have to tell you guys. You guys know I love the Steiner brothers. They're probably my second all-time favorite tag team mm-hmm. after the Legion of Doom. I, I just I love them in NWA. You know, early WCW era, I loved them in WWF. You know, loved them in WCW. I, too, was not a fan of them breaking up. I mean, I love Scott. I thought I thought Big Papa Pump was a great character, but if you would have just given me them, you know, as a tag team their whole careers and them just dominating, 
it probably mm-hmm. would have went down as the greatest tag team of all time. Yeah. You know what I mean? They probably would have. They Because they, they probably would have – they they probably could have traveled the world a little bit after the buyout. And then mm-hmm. could you imagine if they would have – so they're going to fucking TNA. Could you imagine if they would have popped up in WWF for one final run? Like, come mm-hmm. on. I mean, the Ruthless Gresham era? Oh, my heels? God. Oh, yeah. my God. Do you guys uh, know today is the 20th anniversary of the original Spider-Man release? Mm-hmm. 20 okay. years ago today, William Defoe, uh, William Defoe got stabbed in the dick. That's correct. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, Gene okay. is joined backstage by Sting. I'm sorry. That's I, I went ahead. Uh, mean Gene makes his first appearance of the night, joined by Jimmy Hart and the Taskmaster. Um, uh, re- clearly reading off cue cards. Oh, God. Um, so obvious. He will be taking on his best friend, Chris Benoit, in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, hey. Sullivan says this isn't about anybody but him and Benoit. Oh, we get it. We know. Yeah. Um, we we know we know Kevin. Yeah. We know it's about you two. Oh, <laughs> we know. We knew about uh we knew about ten years later too. <laughs> well, oh, it was oh eight. It was oh eight. Right? No, no, seven. Seven. This was six. Yeah. yeah. Um, he says that he knows Benoit is a member of the Four Horsemen, but that won't save him tonight. It definitely didn't save him 10 years later, 11 years Whoa! later. Whoa! <laughs> so, where was Arn Anderson yeah. that night, damn it? Where was Ric Flair? Yeah, where was Arn Anderson? Somebody, probably yeah. shooting somebody with a Glock. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, George, you have to make that meme. You got to find that that Arn Anderson and like, just have him pointing at, at Kevin Sullivan. Um, <laughs> oh, that would be really good. Um Sullivan says that he he took out Brian Pillman. Well, actually, we don't know. Uh, he will be taking out Chris Benoit tonight. I mean, probably. <laughs> probably, right? He's a taskmaster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, next up, we have a WCW uh, United States title match. We have the incumbent champion, Conan, versus El Gato. The winner, duh, is Conan. Um, the whole thing was just all right and not a lot going into it, of course. Um, it seemed like they didn't click that well. And Conan had to reposition himself like multiple times to hit certain moves. Um, to me, this was the genesis of a lot of stars from Mexico coming in. And this match was an example of that. Conan was very instrumental in the whole cruiserweight movement in WCW, especially from like a Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, guys <laughs> like that coming in. So it was cool to see Elgato here. Uh, but, you know, at no point in this match did I think Elgato ever had a solid chance of doing anything. Um, at, no, at no point in this match did I think Elgato had any actual wrestling ability. <clears throat> right, right. It's all right. So here we go. My favorite part of the entire evening. Gene uh, is joined backstage by Sting. Uh, Sting says that Gene is trying to stir him up, and that tonight he is going to show Regal what it's like to be in WCW and what it's like to be a real man. Uh, He makes fun of the way people in England drink tea and said that he is from America. And tonight he is going to find that out. Sting says that he knows Regal is a fantastic wrestler, but tonight he's going to straighten them out and let everybody know who the best two wrestlers are tonight. So, um, guys, why? Sting wants Regal to pray to gay away. (laughs) Guys, uh, what what is the most offensive promo you've ever heard? And why is it this one? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's right up there with uh, with Triple H, Tom Booker T. People. Oh, we lost you. Um, oh. It's all right, but I know what he's saying. He's saying that yeah. whole uh, 
with that you nappy like hair. You be chappy or something like that, right? Yeah, and he and he said something about you know people like you don't beat people <clears throat> like me, and you know you and your suckers and your nappy hair. Um, wow, that's exactly that's what he said. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think Cody's promo against what's his face in AEW was pretty mm-hmm. racist towards British people because apparently Cody ended racism and the Revolutionary War Part Two and Anthony Gogo's career. So, oh yeah, that's his name. <laughs> that. um, yeah, he's just like he's a, he's a guy. He's just kind of funny. That's all. It's like uh, I see where you're going here, Sting. <laughs> um, little, little heavy. <clears throat> But hey, in a couple of years, we'll find out um, Steve Regal is going to prove to everyone that he's a real man's man. That's correct. Um, I was actually surprised, like, how, I mean, homophobic Gene Oakland was in this interview. Like, that, yeah. was, that was incredible. He stared and, at the camera and, like, made his wrist limp. As a way to call <laughs> and what's, what's weird to me is, like, he's really good friends for, like, 50 years with Pat Patterson. I can't even believe he would even think of doing something. I don't know if he was told to act that way, but though crazy let's man. let's benefit of the doubt. This was a completely different time where people didn't get offended by a lot of shit. That's true. So t- 25 years ago, people you could joke around with friends and stuff like that, you know, gay, straight, whatever, and everybody would just laugh it off. In 2022, everybody gets offended and cries about it on social media so it's a, yeah. it was a different time 20 you know 26 years ago yeah i, I agree um but I, I was just really really i texted you guys and i was just like wow like this homophobic <laughs> like uh, it would i mean it was just bad it was just really bad um next match which is funny because thing was the one who was wearing pink i i know great question that's i mean great point i mean um Next match is Diamond Dallas Page versus Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Well, while we're uh, on the topic of such things, <laughs> um, winner is DDP. Uh, this had some really good back and forth action and entertained me the most part. This was at a time where I thought Bagwell was a was a really good worker. I always saw Bagwell before he really got, you know, really over the top with his ego. I thought the uh, Bagwell was a pretty good worker for a while. Um, Page was on a roll at this time. Page was on that 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 elevator going nowhere but up, uh, and he played his heel character so well. Um, hitting the diamond cutter out of nowhere wasn't anything new at this point, and he obviously perfected this long before you know Randy Orton took it over. But it also, uh, it also wasn't out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of times his were. Uh, uh, There's a few times where he would. Uh, the this one was not. <laughs> yeah, this, no, this one was not. Um, Bagwell, I thought did very well, like I said, but um, you know he was a far cry from what he would become. You know, several years down the road, uh, as a total total heel heel character um, for the NWO, and I thought the crowd was really into this too. So overall. I, I thought it was a real solid match. What did you guys think? It was decent for what it was. Yeah. Um, Heel DDP um, was, was great coming out you know, with the fucking cigar hanging out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, just really good. Just, just good. I, I, I always love, I always love any DDP match. Uh, mm-hmm. Buff Bagwell, once again, I kind of take him or leave him. Mm-hmm. It's, 
Buff isn't doing anything that's going to wow me in uh, in terms of watching him in the ring. Yeah, it's. I, I agree. I know, uh, Dean, you're a big. I think you're a big DDP fan, right? So, um, but I also think you're also like me in a way. Sometimes a Bagwell fan. Um, um no, I'm not. I wouldn't say I was a fan of him. Um, but I didn't hate Buff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think we said it. Uh, so I wasn't on last week. It might have been the week prior to that when I said that I think a lot of people forget that Buff was pretty solid in the ring. Uh, yeah. He wasn't the guy who was gonna you know uh, <laughs> drop you on your head or anything like that. He was a pretty solid worker. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, if you have a guy who you don't need to be a, a ring general to to do anything, as long as you know what you're doing in the ring, uh, i.e., like the Sting Regal match we're gonna talk about. I mean, Regal is a one of the probably the, one of the best truest wrestlers in the business to ever do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ring presence was amazing. Sting, however, was not a great wrestler, but Sting knew what he was doing in the ring to where he wouldn't, you know, snap your neck or anything like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that's how Buff was. Buff was a Buff was a guy who just knew his craft good enough to where he wouldn't hurt you. He just hurt himself. <laughs> how he broke right. his neck. Yes. Um, all right, we go backstage. Gene uh, is backstage with Jimmy Hart. Uh, and the Giant, who was the WCW champion at the time, Hart says that everyone is worried about being the Giant, but not only the only person not worried at all is the Giant himself. The Giant says Luger will find out tonight why he is a champion, why he beat people like Hogan, Sting, Macho Man, and uh, and Luger is sadly mistaken if he thinks he can beat him. Uh, then that Luger is next on the list. The Giant says he will be leaving tonight with the title that he came in with. I actually... Uh, didn't think that was a bad promo by the giant. Um, what did you think, George? Uh, typically, whenever the giant is talking, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was a solid. I mean, it was a, it was a promo. It yeah. Didn't. It, it's it's the big show. Yeah. He didn't get it. He didn't get any better on the mic. Mm-hmm. Excuse um, me, are you telling me that the son of Andre the Giant wasn't a good uh, promo oh, cutter? Dear God. <laughs> uh, literally one year prior to this, I was told he was the son of Andre the Giant. Well, we all were. It was unbelievable. And then he got um, thrown off the roof when he lost a tug of war match. Yeah, he the, died. Uh, and then he showed up the next day. Yeah. <laughs> he was dead. Just like, you know, the big boss man, he was hung from an arena and somehow showed up 24 hours later. Big, big boss man. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Next match is, I think, the match of the night, and I was, it, it was just, it blew me away. Uh, WCW Cruiserweight title, Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, Malen- uh, Malenko wins this match at 17 minutes and 50 <clears throat> seconds. If I'm not, am I wrong here, George, by saying that they said on the broadcast this was Rey Mysterio's first pay-per-view match for WCW? That was what they said. He was 21 years old, correct? Um, absolutely wild. Um, just what a hell of a match. I gave it five stars. Malenko is one of the most underrated workers I might have ever watched. That dude was, is crisp, flawless. Um, I mean, if he ever botches anything, it, he, he knows a way to make it look like he didn't. Um, Would you was, say he's as cool as ice? I think he's as cool as ice. Yep. Um, he was, you know, the man of a thousand holds and 
God, man. It's just, you know, I, you know, he worked on Mysterio's arm for the most part of the match, and Mysterio did a great, a great job working underneath. Um, you know, Malenko has always been known as that great ring technician. He showed off here tonight. He also showed off that he could hang with the younger cruiserweights, um, and it was just a standout performance. Um, and as we know, you know, 26 years later, Mysterio was just scratching the surface of what he would become here. And, you know, he hit, uh, you know, a lot of guys with great and athletic moves um, throughout all of his matches. It was no different here tonight. Um, was it the best cruiserweight match? I don't think so. But it was still that damn good. Um, what was, was your thoughts? It, it was definitely a sign of things to come yeah. for this division. So, I mean, it was, I mean, if, if anything here, like watching Ray's performance and seeing how great he was, would eventually turn people into wanting to see how other cruiserweights work. Yeah. And so, it, so this was definitely, I mean, this was a great match and it was definitely a, a sign of things to come for that division. So. Yeah. It was just, what did you think, Dean? Great. Yep. All right, uh, here we go. Next thing here. We, Chris, we you want to take a break? seconds left. Oh, yeah, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a few short moments. I'm sorry. Thank you, guys. Uh, this is the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we'll be back in one second. Welcome back, Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. Thanks to these two guys for reminding me that we were out of time on the first Welcome segment. Welcome to the come zone. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we are back. Um, so after the Mysterio Malenko match, Gene Okerlund is backstage with a total package. Lex Luger, boy, this was a stoic, awful promo by Luger. Oh, um, <laughs> so bad. Why like, did anybody put a microphone in his face? Like, where was he going with any of it? I just, <laughs> um, I think, I think, I think I saw the hints of him shoving pills down Elizabeth's throat to kill her. Oh dear lord. The the funny thing, he was sitting there and he was like, "What? He was like, I got a belt on this shoulder. I have a belt around my waist. Then after and then after the match, I have a belt on this shoulder." And I'm just like, "Get this guy away from a fucking camera!" And I and I love how Oakland caught him and and uh, he's uh, Luger's like, "Gene, I have to be honest with you, my mind isn't even on on this promo right now. It's miles and miles away." And Gene goes, "Oh, you mean in the ring?" Gene's <laughs> like you fucking moron um so funny um but that was good stuff um next match here is one i don't even know why it's on the pay-per-view but it actually wasn't half bad is a uh, big bubba formerly the big boss man versus john tenta formerly uh i think it was a uh, earthquake shark. The, shark. the shark i mean he was earthquake in wwf then he came right. over and he, and he was a shark. shark and part yeah. of the doom yeah actually he was avalanche and then he was the shark right right what game the phillies oh yeah it was they, uh, lo- they lost and to the rangers yes I, I i already despise the fact that i had to listen to eagles chants all throughout the stadium and aj brown throughout the first pitch today so yeah he did um, and then they and they lost. Um, yeah. So hopefully it's, a, hopefully it's a precursor sign, for your sign of things to come. <laughs> the one in, one in sixteen. <laughs> um, the winner, uh, which surprisingly to me was Tenta. Uh, it was a standard big match, you know, uh, big match uh, with big, big men in it. Match. 
Yeah, big man match. There you go. That's what I was trying to get at. Thank you, George. He says I'm um, different in a big match. <laughs> that's why. That's why I pay George. Um, uh, <laughs> a lot of high impact moves. Bubba actually had some real athletic spots and was always, you know, pretty nimble for his size. Uh, he was actually on the offensive for most of this match, uh, with Tenta getting a few spots in uh, as the match was winding down. Uh, Tenta winning here was payback for Bubba and Hart cutting his hair. There we go. That's redemption. Um, so he got re- by taking a chunk out of Bubba's beard was the payback. How about that for storytelling, baby? Um, That's what happened. Uh, that happened to me in Georgia a while back. Uh, George was kind of just sitting around and I called him King Tut, and that was the end of that. All right. How dare you? <laughs> 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 I was, uh, I was, uh, decided to keep the pants, and that was the end of that discussion. <laughs> um, couple, couple points of interest in this match, uh, Chris, if I may. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, you said you, you saw the, it, it was surprising, like how nimble Bubba was. Like, Bossman has always been like de- has always been deceptively athletic. Mm-hmm. Like you look at him and you don't think so, but this guy's like, moving around the ring, like doing things that a guy his size typically wouldn't be doing. Yeah. Um, also, did you notice that John Tenta came out to zero fucking music? Yes. <laughs> zero music and zero crowd reaction. He meant business, brother. Um, and it's funny that he was worried about his hair being cut. It's like, dude, you're you're bald anyway. What what do you care about if the rest of it gets cut off? Oh god. Um, in the back, following the theme of this pay per view match, followed by a promo. Uh, Gene is backstage with Steve Mongo McMichael and Kevin Green, who are joined by their wives, Deborah McMichael and Terry Green. Mongo says they are coming to get Flair and Anderson tonight, while Green grabs a mic and says they are coming hard. Um, Coming yeah, buddy. Coming heavy. Yep. Uh, I, like, I told Dean, I'm like, this is Chris's favorite part of the. Uh, it was my favorite part of the entire the entire night. I was like, dear God, man, they got to get Kevin Sullivan's cue cards for this. Um, <laughs> Randy Savage comes up um, and to Gene, and he says they are going to take Flair and Anderson out tonight. Savage says he is in the huddle, and this is the winning team tonight. Dear God. Um, I like how Savage sauntered in in the middle of the promo. <laughs> Like he wasn't there. I think he walked in because Dan looked like he just showed up. Yeah. Yeah. He had to finish his lines. Um, wow. The disrespect. I'm sorry. Um, next match is one that just featured so much foreshadowing of life. It's not even funny. Um, Falls Count Anywhere match. Um, Chris Benoit versus a Taskmaster. Uh, and you know, with Jimmy Hart, who we've now seen 17 times already tonight, um, the winner, uh, for now was Chris Benoit. Um, this was just a straight up like brawl. Like anyone who obviously knows the history between these two probably would have guessed that a lot of this was probably a shoot fight. Um, <laughs> fighting into the crowd in the men's room was different for the time in WCW and both men took an ass whooping. There's a lady um, in there. Yeah, Dusty was <laughs> a lady in the men's room. Oh, man. Um, Benoit was sent down a flight of stairs that looked stiff as heck, and the table he pulled out from underneath looked like a normal table that you would see, like, in an office. Um, yeah. 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 It is rare for a superplex to finish a match, but it got the job done here for Benoit. He should have did a superplex 10, 9, 11 years later. I guess oh. uh, I, I, I guess a superplex 
was more impactful coming off of a table that was the exact same height as the top. <laughs> so uh, it's just unreal. Um, next thing we got Gene is backstage once again with Woman, uh, which is the I guess Nancy Benoit. Uh, yeah, Nancy Benoit. Was she still with Kevin Sullivan at this time? I don't think so. Um, yes, she was. Ninety six. Yes. Okay. Gene is backstage with woman, uh, Nancy Benoit, and Elizabeth, but is soon joined by the members of the Four Horsemen. Arn Anderson says that tonight Chris Benoit earned his stripes and will be a member of the Horsemen. He said, now the Horsemen and Dungeon of Doom are now at war. That'll put butts in the seats. Benoit grabs the microphone and says he warned Sullivan of what would happen if he messed with him. (laughs) 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 Flair takes the mic and says that McMichael and Green are doomed. Bobby Heenan was last to talk, and he mentions that he isn't scared going into tonight. He has all the confidence in the world that his team can get the job done. A uh, couple, a couple things from that there is so like after after the end of that Benoit Sullivan match, Arn came out and helped out Benoit. You know, got massive pops from the crowd. I looked over at Dean. I'm like, this is weird because they're heels, right? So mm-hmm. why are they getting cheered for this? Yeah. Because it's like they're going to get booed the next match anyway. <laughs> uh, and also point out to Dean that during that whole promo where everyone was backstage, uh, only two people in that room are still alive. Yeah. That's... And it's Flair and Arn. <laughs> uh, um... And then Dean said uh, something pretty interesting. He goes, he goes, oh, well, he didn't have cancer and Oakland was old. He said, and uh, well, Ben one woman was uh, you know, murder, suicide, and then uh, murder. <laughs> oh, <laughs> about Liz. Just... <laughs> Un, it's just un, unbelievable um, so next match we got here is Sting versus Lord Steven Regal Sting's about to beat, beat the gay out of Steven yeah, Regal yeah because you know apparently according to uh, Sting and Gene Oakland uh, they're about to be a homosexual English man so um, is this why he went to WWF to be a real man's man Probably. <laughs> we can't have any of that on our television, pal. Then, You're a then, real man. And then even Shivani's like, oh, he, he calls people sunshine. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. It's just like, well, what? What do you want to call him? Darkness? Why? That? That's even more offensive. <laughs> so, uh, shockingly, uh, Sting gets the win here. Uh, Regal was in control for you know three fourths of this match and had Sting locked down pretty good for a while. Uh, Sting tried to mount a comeback a few times throughout the match, but uh, Regal seemed to have his number, probably give him a call. Uh, Regal was such a great technical wrestler and knew how to stretch guys out. So, you know. um, Did you write all of this crap? I did. (laughs) Unreal. Unreal. Um, Sting hit all the usual spots toward the end and made Regal tap out to his Scorpion Deathlock. Um. Was this an absolute masterpiece? No, but I do think it was a really good match, though, by both guys. Um, you know, <laughs> jokes aside, set up by WCW themselves, uh, not us. Uh, what did you guys think of the match? This was my favorite incarnation of Sting, by the way. Mine too. Yep. Well, I mean, it was it, it was a solid uh, te- technical match. I do like how Regal countered the stinger splash and then immediately got back by dropped into the scorpion deathlock mm-hmm. so part of me is just like why even bother countering the stinger splash just hit it and then yeah. there 
Um, but then like after when we had it, and then you hear Dusty screaming, sit down on it. I'm just like, uh this hasn't been enough gay jokes during this match. Uh, it was real difficult, man. I just I'm I was just so surprised by that whole development. It's unbelievable. Um after the match, there was a commercial for the WCW's Bash at the Beach 1996, which would go down as one of the most important pay-per-views in wrestling history. Um, obviously, I won't spoil it in case for some odd reason you don't know what happened, um, but we will be covering that that pay-per-view. Um, you know, I think we I might do it next week. In the summer? Um, huh? Is it in the summer? I, I think... So when was back? When was this? This was June. This pay per view. So what is going on, guy? What is that? Sorry, <laughs> I know I didn't know what it said. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we might cover that probably the beginning of June to set up for that for that whole, you know, the NWO arriving, which is going to be great. Um, hey, when are we doing Clash of the Champions? Like we were supposed to do this week. That's probably that's going to be next week. Okay. Yeah, and we're we're going to do, and then um, after that, uh, I might do the Great American Bash where. Staying defeated flair for the title um mm. so i might mm. do that one as well mm-hmm. um okay so here we go next facts the nature boy rick flair and arn anderson uh versus steve mongo mcmichael and kevin green um look i, I thought it was a really solid the, the winners were on flair obviously um that was I, I thought it was a really solid match for a couple guys who hadn't wrestled up until this point uh, Green showed a lot of fire and hit some really good high impact offense. Um, mm-hmm. McMichael joined the Horseman here, which was a really big deal at the time, and mm-hmm. he went on to be in the group for a long time. Um, Flair and Anderson were so great; they always elevated people. Um, my God, Arn Anderson was so good, so good. Um, Savage and Heenan were being the coaches for both teams; it was a nice touch and added a little flavor on the outside. I just thought overall, boys, like, this was a really entertaining match all around. What did you think? I thought it was really good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the fact that at one point in the beginning of the match, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair clearly tag each other, and the referee doesn't make Arn get out of the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because cause I guess it was played <laughs> off as a high five, but that was clearly a tag. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> and then there was also one point. There's also one point in the match where, um, where Arn and Kevin Green got into a three point stance, <laughs> and the referee said, and they both ran into each other. Mm-hmm. What the? So I I was confused. But a nice little <laughs> play there where they had um, woman and Miss Liz chase Deborah and Tara away. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're afraid of ghosts, so they were just running from them. Um, and then you, know, then they, and then they, <laughs> not, they weren't ghosts. They weren't ghosts, George. It was a zombie invasion. That's correct. Uh, um, <laughs> and then you know, they came back out, and, and, and Deborah's in the in that flowing gown that we're that that we're all used to seeing her. I know she's always like she's Queen Deborah in mm-hmm. uh, in WW. So I mean. Now we see the transformation and that opens up the briefcase and there's a horseman mm-hmm. shirt and buddy and just lays out Kevin Green with the briefcase. <laughs> um, up next is a pretty memorable 
uh, segment, I guess you could say, moment in WCW history. Uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are being interviewed by Eric Bischoff. Um, they throw it to Bischoff, who's at the top of the ramp. He mentions that since May 27th, they have had several interruptions on Nitro. Uh, Bischoff says uh, that he knows they are there and that it is time to give them to give WCW the answers they are looking for. Uh, Hall and Nash make their way out beside Bischoff, and he tells them at the WCW office to say that the match between them and WCW is a go. He says it'll be a bash at the beach. But he asked them if they work for the WWF, which they both said emphatically no. Hall says to forget about the past. Uh, they just want to know who their opponents will be. He makes fun of Savage and Hogan before telling Bischoff to get Turner to break out the checkbook. Bischoff then turns to Nash, but Hall takes the mic away from him and wants an answer. Bischoff says he will tell them tomorrow on Nitro. But Hall has heard enough and hits Bischoff right in the stomach. Nash picks him up and hits a jackknife powerbomb to the table that was in the corner of the stage. Hall and Nash pose on the ramp as people rush to the aid of Bischoff. Hall says the big boys just left the building. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what? what's crazy about this is I'm pretty sure it was the first time that any announcer or lead company person of a wrestling company was actually touched at that point. You know, this is 1996. Like at this point in WWF, people didn't even know Vince McMahon was the owner of a company. A yeah, lot of people sure. just looked at him as the play-by-play announcer. And he was never touched up until like 97 when him and Brett got into like a little scuffle in the, in the um, outside of the ring. This was, you know, mid-96. And the, the actual vice president of WCW, who's also was a C-string announcer at the time, but everyone knew that he was the VP, he was the boss, got touched, not only touched, but powerbombed through a stage. Um, and I just looked at it like it was a huge moment that changed the future of the company forever because, you know, Hall and Nash are making an appearance here that, you know, led people to believe they were invading WCW, which is why Bischoff asked them the question point blank, especially asked them, do you still work for the WWF? Um that was a huge bump for Bischoff as a non-wrestler to take and kudos to, to Bischoff for being man enough to do it. Um, I thought this was a huge for the time because Hall and Nash were both <clears throat> near the top of the card in the WWF. And this was the first big deflection. And other than Luger, you know, this ignited the Monday night wars. I thought it was an excellent segment for what it was trying to accomplish. Um, they did a stretcher job on Bischoff. Tony and Dusty were speechless. Um, and Tony left the broadcast booth to go tend to Bischoff. Um, I just thought it was it was just main event quality, and it was just a moment in time that is is treasured that is almost you know untouchable. Uh, what did you think, George? Yeah, I mean it's I mean it, it, it's it's not a clip I haven't seen in a hundred times. Yeah, uh, but yeah, mainly it was it, it was there to build up the intrigue for Bastion Beach. You know, who's this mystery third man? No one knows who it is. And at that time, nobody definitely knew who it was. Not a single fucking person because there was no third man at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, you know, it, it, it got people guessing. Like, we didn't know, you know, do, do these guys actually work for WF? They said no, but Scott Hall still using his thick Cuban Razor Ramon uh, mm -hmm. accent. So it makes you wonder. You one know, way or the other, but it was, it, it was intriguing. It built, it, uh, it got you wondering. And you know what's so cool, man? And it's like, what, 26 years later, and I'm watching this pay-per-view, 
and I'm listening to this promo, and then you hear you hear um, you know Hall ripping Savage and Hogan, and even 26 years later, with everything that's already occurred in history, man, just the Hulk Hogan turn. Nobody in the world would have saw it coming. Nobody. And if they told you that they did, they're lying to you because it was just the, it's the greatest moment in wrestling history. And it's not even close. It's not, it's better than him slamming Andre. It's better than a double turn at WrestleMania 13. This, this was so big, man. Like you listen to this promo and you watch everything leading up to it. Like Hogan wasn't even involved. Like he wasn't even there. He wasn't even there. Um, and that's just like, my God, like to know that less than a month later that what happened happened, it just makes this so much cooler to go back and look at and be like, nobody in the world would ever say, who's the third man going to be? You would, I mean, people would say flair 10 times out of 10 before they would ever think of Hulk Hogan. Like, it's just, it's incredible to me. Just incredible. Um, I mean, I mean, to to simple fact that nobody knew, um, everybody's favorite fiction where Dave Meltzer kept saying it was going to be Mabel. <laughs> or Bret Hart or British Bulldog. They're leaning real hard on Mabel and Bischoff's like, Mabel was never even suggested. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. ever. No. Fucking, um, fucking Mabel. <laughs> God, somebody must have paid Dave real good little side cash there to even mention Mabel in his magazine. Um, no, I guarantee you someone was like, someone's probably like, hey, bet you five bucks I can get Dave Meltzer to mention Mabel. And they're like, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> that's funny. It was probably Duke the Dumpster Jerose. Um, WCW heavyweight title match because it's main event time. Um, the Giant is the incumbent champion versus Lex Luger. The winner and still WCW champion, Giant. Um, this was a standard Giant title defense at the time with the other guy trying everything he can to get the big man up but never succeeding. Luger was basically, you know, selling for the majority of the match for as much as Lex could sell. Um, but when he signaled for the rack, the crowd just went nuts because um, Luger was really over at this time and he will be part of the huge main event the next month at the bash of the beach. So, you know, Luger is a top level baby face at the time. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So the giant was dominant around this time as well, this era. And he went through everyone that WCW threw at him. Um, clearly it wasn't a technical classic, but it did its job putting the giant over more as an unstoppable champion. Um, and having him run through everyone in the WCW main event scene was, you know, probably important at the time. Um, it was a really good way to end the show. Um, your thoughts on the main event, uh, George? It was a to, to me, it was a typical big show match. Yeah, yeah. Only the only difference was he won this. <laughs> yes, and he didn't turn. Um, I mean, or cry. I mean, I mean or cry. I mean, the, this is the only time that that Paul White was ever booked as a monster. I agree. Like, because any other time, I mean it. He's, he's getting beat by, I mean, he's getting beat left, right, sideways in WWF, yep. but not, not that he needed to be built up that way because like, because no doubt somebody over at WWF was like, well, we've already seen that with him. Mm-hmm. So let's just go another way with it. 
Yeah. You know, we've already got tall. I mean, <clears throat> in WW, he was the biggest guy. So, I mean, right. it wasn't even close. Maybe Ken Nash. I was the only other person. But you the forgot the Yeti. Uh, yeah, everyone. The Yeti. Um, Yeti. That just makes me laugh. Fucking idiots. Boy. <laughs> I mean, he when he obviously when he went to, to WWF, he honed his skills a little better and got to work with better class people. But even when Luger had him in the rack, we're like, oh, he's racking him. I'm like, he doesn't have his arm around his head. So, no. <laughs> And um, then, like, when he fell out of it, I looked over at Dean. I was like, I don't know if that was supposed to happen that way. Because I think he actually crushed Lex's head. Yeah. <laughs> he went down. Um, Dean, what was your thoughts on the main event? Um, yeah. Meh. <laughs> um, yeah, I was birthed. Yeah. I mean, the pay-per-view itself is, is a solid show. But the, the main event, um, I, I didn't care about. It was... You know, I'm mean, of course I I you know I remember watching this pay per view when I was younger, but yeah, um, I just I mean I liked Lex, but I've never this is the only time I liked the Big Show was when he was the Giant. I agree. Yeah, and maybe like that that first run in WWF. Yeah, he was he was booked pretty well, but yep. Um, yeah, we, were, we I was I was watching this today with George, and I just at this point I I kind of stopped paying attention to the show. Honestly, I, just... I was just like I was like. I don't care about this match. It's it's got fucking look. No disrespect to Big Show. Anything he's in, I don't care about. <laughs> no, that's that's very fair. I'm I'm the same way. You know what I mean? I'm just like so. We got this match, and it was just like whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um, whatever. all right. Getting to the grades here. I think it. You know, it's called one of the best WCW pay per views ever produced, and I just don't think that statement is far off, mm. considering the last two shows, um, that we covered here, um as you know, part of this part of this whole series of WCW, you know, last week's show that we did was a pretty decent show. Um, that was kind of a breath, a breath of fresh air, but the one before that was just awful. Um, and a yeah. lot of the ones we're going to cover are just really bad with a couple of bright spots in there. Um, to me, there was just so many good quality matches here from start to finish that it was a very enjoyable show to watch. The opening tag match uh, was really good, had some really good stuff in it. You know, Malenko Mysterio was just off the charts good. Um, did the show have filler matches? Yes, but I don't think it took away from the overall product. I thought Bischoff taking that huge bump from a historical standpoint now makes me enjoy the show a little bit more. Um, to me, like this pay-per-view was the start of string of shows that WCW put, you know, that put WCW on the map and really catapulted them into the number one spot on the Monday Night Wars. And, of course, we'll get into that as we get into more spring and summer. Just we'll cover a lot of 97 and, nine, and you know, parts of 98. But uh, overall, um, I give this show an 8 out of 10. Um, George, how about you? Uh, I'll go about 7. Okay, that's fair. Um, it had some memorable moments in the Malenko-Masira uh, match. Um, is hands down the best match on the show. And it's not mm-hmm. even close. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Dean? I would give it about a seven as well. Okay. Yeah. So we're all not, we're all not far off here. Um, all right. So that wraps up um, the Great American Bash 1996. Next week, we are getting to it. This We're going to get in our way back machine here. And we're going to go to March 27th, 1988, which the promotion was Jim Crockett. Uh, NWA, Jim Crockett Promotions, NWA, National Wrestling Alliance, 
Um, and we're going to be talking the Clash of Champions numero uno from the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. There was 6,000 people in attendance, and it's a show that drew a 5.6 on TBS. It went head-to-head with WrestleMania four. Um, for a lot of people that don't know that. So it was a pretty big night for Jim Crockett Promotions and NWA, which would, you know, soon be the WCW. What happened that night, you had Mike Rotunda with Kevin Sullivan defeating Jimmy Garvin, uh, the Midnight Express defeating the Fantastics, the Road Warriors defeated the Powers of Pain, Lex Luger and Barry Windham uh, beat Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, and then the biggest match of the night, one of the best matches probably of the decade, was a 45-minute singles match, a draw for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship with Ric Flair versus Sting. We're going to talk all about that pay-per-view next week on the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. Cannot wait for that. Um, guys, um, you're looking forward to covering a an original uh, Clash yes. of Champions. Awesome. For sure. Um, and then after that, I think um, – I don't know. Maybe that'll be when we cover Bash at the Beach 96 and talk about the NWO because uh, that's – I really want to cool. talk about that. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, so Hot Tag Podcast cool. on Instagram. Check us out there. Oh. Obviously, the Multiverse Movie Podcast just dropped a brand-new episode today, which is Tuesday night. Uh, so check that out as well. Um, the only – realistically, the only times you guys are going to hear me is – this podcast, uh, the Where to Begin podcast with my wife and I, and then whenever um, the boys here want me on their multiverse uh, movie show. so Which will be which, next week. Which will be next week as we will be covering or reviewing uh, Doctor Strange, which I cannot wait for. Oh. Um, very much looking forward to that. And we've been waiting years for this sequel. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited for that. Um, so until then, thank you guys very much. Uh, Dean George, I really appreciate it as always. Um, I'm Chris C. Francesco. This is the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. And you guys have a great rest of your week and weekend. Go out and go see Dr. Strange. Pump that up. Uh, Here we go. Have a great rest of your week, boys. Um, Have a good one. Bye-bye.